When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news, and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. Two minutes past eight and a good evening to you. Friday night, talking Leeds. What could be better if you're a Leeds fan? Uh, if you're not a Leeds fan, I mean, nothing could be worse. Uh, but 60 minutes of Leeds is what you get it, my friend. Like it or not, uh, the Mighty Whites is on the agenda and you and I are going to talk about it. Matt Beadley's normally here. Uh, he's not tonight. And it's Andy Hodgson in the chair. You'll normally find me on a Sunday afternoon between 12 and 4. And so the next hour, if you're a Leeds fan... Get out that rose and give it a kiss, my friend, because you can get involved in this show across the UK, wherever you are. A Leeds fan in exile, you can be a Leeds fan tonight on the air. 0208 70 20 558 is our number. What are your current big issues? Are you breathing a sigh of relief following the recent results? Because it looked a bit dicey at one point, and now it looks a little bit beautiful, and now it's looking like the promised land is just around the corner. Oh, kiss your lucky egg, and away we go. 0208 70 20 558. Call us now if you think it is game on for promotion, and there is no way Leeds will slip up this time round. I've got so many friends that are Leeds fans having gone to school in Harrogate uh, that they spend all their time going, oh, God, oh, my God, oh, God, oh, my God. And currently, the mood in the Leeds fan camp with my mates is, oh, we're going up again, shut your face. Watch it, your team, we are coming for you. Uh, In the studio with us from All Stats, aren't we, is John McKenzie. And, John, you always like to start with a stat. Let's do one. Okay, so... It's a, a clean sheet stat this week. So Leeds have a chance for their fifth consecutive clean sheet in a row tomorrow. This is the second uh, run of four in a row that we've had. The last was broken by the 3-3 draw against Cardiff. No one else in the top six has had more than three clean sheets in a row this season. Why? What? Why are they getting so many clean sheets? What's the key now? Well, yeah, that's a big question because the, obviously the uh, the issues this season have been scoring. Hmm. Uh, and the reason why we've been dropping points has been that we haven't been able to keep those clean sheets uh, and, and give the, the team something to work with in terms of um, uh, winning points. So... Yeah, it's made a big difference. I'm, I'm, I'm not entirely sure why. We've been racking our brains about this um, across the last few podcasts that we've done, um, but it's making a big difference for us because we, you, you'll know we had that that run of three one nil wins, um, which which got us nine points out of nine, which was really important for us before the before the whole result. Um, and without those, I don't think we'd be in quite so uh, positive a position that, that, as we are now. Yeah, and it is a positive position, isn't it? Because I remember only a month ago, having Leeds fans on air here, basically going, we've bottled it again. This has happened so many times, it's ridiculous. You know, we're starting to even question Bielsa. He's got to go at the end of the season because, you know, he can't deliver what the project was. Uh, but it's all changed all of a sudden. What, what is, the, the last month or so, what has been the difference? I think we've been very lucky in other teams um, sort of taking who are challenging us taking points off each other. I think results have gone our way in a lot of weekends, uh, and even though we did 
give away a, a 12 point lead at one point uh, over the third place um and 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 got it down to i think we were level on points with fulham at one point with uh, with only goal difference differentiating between us um despite that we we still managed to have results um generally favoring us and we never actually dropped into into the chasing pack and i think that that's been the the, the difference I, I know that's not a particularly uh, a positive uh, skew to put on it but um we've been saying all the way through this season Leeds are doing everything they need to do to to win games we just haven't been getting over the line we've had a we've had a, a long period of, in which we had individual errors that were just catastrophic for us um, one of the things we talk about a lot on on our channel is game state so if you if you go into a game with a game plan and you give away a silly goal and you're one nil down it completely changes the tenor of the game and you you have to change your tactics and teams can sit deep against you and make it hard for you to score and and that was happening just over and over and over again uh, fortunately we managed to iron out those errors and and the 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 chances that were creating are still good enough for us to uh to to win and so it's just eventually the process has sort of played itself out so are you saying then there's quite a large portion of luck in this or are you saying that bielsa actually has changed something to iron out those problems I don't think he's changed anything, to be honest. And I think the reason why he hasn't changed anything is because he knows if you look at the underlying figures, everything is there. And at the end of the at the end of the day, you have to create more and better chances than your opponent. And Leeds have been doing that um, week in, week out in the in the championship. If you look at underlying tables, if you look at XG tables, which um, work out what results could have been based on the chances, the quality of those chances, Leeds are far and away the best team in in the league, and they could have, they probably should have uh, tied up promotion by now um i think everyone kind of knows that but they, they have this funny propensity to just as we've said to to, to not bottle it but um certain players have, have have just had howlers and 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 then suddenly you're on the back foot and and uh yeah i suppose that there's at the back of their minds there's last season there's obviously the pressure of the club wanting to get back to the top flight for the first time in 15 seasons so it's it's all it's all of that kind of thing i think playing into the back of it but now it's looking very good indeed a lot of um, models um there's a lot of mathematicians who put out models of probability and most of them have leads above 95 percent chance of promotion now so it's really looking like they are in the driver the the driving seat i do do wonder you know with this is now of purely about leads but anyone who's not a leads fan looking in from the outside the reason that they do bottle it every season as they get nearer and nearer is because of the pressure because it is unquestionably a massive support a massive vocal support in a way that many clubs simply aren't and I wonder if that's what comes to play is that the players end up going I mean hang on I'm trying my hardest and then I'm I'm trying too hard and it all goes wrong again I think I think that's true generally but I think you know every fan base wants their team to go up Mm. um so I don't know whether or not I would read too much into that what I would say is that Leeds have been very lazy as a club in their attempts to get up back into the top they have they've had everything in their favor to be able to just actually sit down be rational and say right how do we get back into the top division and I think the reason why the pressure is, mounts up for Leeds is that every it always feels like a short-term solution to everything so even this season like when when everything was bad um there were so many fans who were worried about us not going up this season precisely because if Leeds don't go up this season what happens Bielsa goes you lose Calvin Phillips you you suddenly you everything looks a lot less rosy mm. You don't have a project. You don't have a. You don't have a system, and you, you're all you're, you're back at square one. And I think that's the issue. The issue is is that there hasn't been a coherent project ever since Leeds have gone down to be like right, okay, we've gone down. We need to start from scratch. We need to think about what we're going to try and do to get here. We need to have someone like a director of football who's going to have a coherent plan, and then the managers were going to be brought in to fit in with that coherent plan. It's just not happened. And what Radrizzani, the the owner, has done has has been gambling on paying Marcelo Bielsa more money than any other manager is being paid in the championship to try and buck the trend for a, for a couple of seasons to see if they can do it that way but um, if it happens we've been very lucky in, in, in one respect um, but I think that also added to the pressure because everyone knows if it doesn't work this season then it's going to be back to much of the same. What's the shortest possible time you think for, for a I mean everyone calls it a project now in football don't they but uh, you, know, you can't bring in a Bielsa and say, all right, in one season, get us up. That's just not realistic because the culture reflected by a guy like uh, Bielsa doesn't come in five minutes. It doesn't matter who you are. It takes a period of time where people go, I'm with that guy because he brought me in. And that's really important. Is that is that two years? Is that three years? I don't know. I think, I think it varies depending on the manager. I mean, if you look at Bielsa's 
uh, time at Leeds, he could have they could have been promoted last season. Yeah. It wasn't beyond the realms of possibility. So, and you know, he turned up at the beginning of the summer and they came out. I, I still remember to this day, I went to a pre-season friendly uh, against Las Palmas, uh, which was the first time he really played the team as he was going to play them for that season. Mm. And it was just incredible what he'd managed to achieve with them even over the summer. So I think I think Bielsa is a bit of an outlier in that regard. And I think there's a there's a really uh, weird phenomenon with, with Bielsa, which is that his... Um, his system requires absolute fanaticism on the part of the people involved with it, yeah. which works and doesn't work depending on where you're at. And and also can see, I think at the end of the the, the little wobble that Leeds have just had, I think the players were getting a bit frustrated with them. Um, if once you lose that belief, then I think I think everything falls falls down. And I think one of the reasons why Leeds Bielsa's worked at Leeds is because there's a group of players there who recognise that he is a class above what you would usually expect at that level. And so they've been happy to just do what he's told them. Um, and I, I, I suspect that might be why Bielsa hasn't been more successful in his career, because it does require a huge amount of trust in the process. Um, so, but, but yeah, I think, you know, it's it's tough, like building two years, three years. Yeah, that's what you that's what you need to aim at. You need to well, you need to have a longer term project, but you need to say we're going to give our, ma- our, our manager, we're going to bring him in. They're going to fit, fit our ideals. They're going to fit our project and we're going to give them three years to, to achieve mm. that. And, and that's what you just have to do. It must have been delightful, though, as a, as a Leeds fan, um, just looking back now at the last 10 years and that period that you had where there was a new Leeds manager every four and a half minutes. And it, I mean, it was it was a joke, wasn't it? It, was, mm. it, was, it? it had got to the point at Leeds where, as a manager, you get that phone call and you go, you're having a laugh, mate. You know, all right, I'll leave it. Thanks very much. It just mm. got silly. Mm. This It's stability, proving that the stability works, isn't it now? Yeah, and... Bielsa, I think, is the first manager that we had over a summer period. So for the last for for the last season, in between the two seasons that we'd had for something like seven seasons mm-hmm. or something like that, and it's just incredible how again we've talked about short termists, and that's the problem. The problem was we're going to bring in a manager without a real a real plan, and we're going to give them six months to see if they've got anything, and it just doesn't. It just isn't going to happen. And um, yeah, I mean, fair play to the. Fair play to the ownership structures for deciding that Bielsa was going to be some kind of solution. But, you know, if it, if it hadn't worked out, it didn't work out, we would have been back where we were. And I think Radrizzani would have moved on. He didn't yeah. want to put any more money into it. And it's just the way that football is going. I'm afraid that it, that it is a, a business and you can try and game the system for so long. But in the long run, look at the teams who are doing well. They're the teams who've taken their time to develop projects. Teams like Liverpool, who started from started from from scratch with FSG and yeah they've made mistakes and stuff but they've now got to a point where they've got an analytics recruitments um department that are just incredible um and it's very hard to see um anyone really catching them up from there mm. um without being man city and just flinging money at it, at it um and you know that everyone else is just playing catch up to them and and with Klopp you know you've you've had the same thing a, a clear clear belief clear system um a clear idea of what sorts of players you want to bring in as well I think that that's really important and when you do that suddenly football starts looking a lot easier than 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 it does when you're a mid-table team and you can't do anything for years and years and years yeah you know when the, the documentary came out um about Leeds uh did that surprise you that documentary how it was almost like watching the the Man City one you know it looked Proper grown-up, really pro, and you kind of go, "Wow, this is impressive stuff here." You know what I mean? You really, I can buy into that myself. I'm not I'm, even I'm, a Leeds fan. Do you know what I mean? I'm going to make a confession. I've not, I've not seen. You've not seen it. I've, I couldn't bring myself to watch it. It's good. Um, yeah. Well, it's I hear good. this. I hear. <laughs> I hear this from people. But then other people say that they didn't think that I would like it as well. So um, maybe I'll. Maybe one day. I'll, I'm one of these people who likes to watch things like after everyone else has forgotten about them. Yeah. Um, just because it, I don't know, it just makes me feel like I'm making my own mind up about it a bit more. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think I think a lot of it can be construed as PR. You know, I think Radrit is a, he's a, he's, he's made his money in, in television. So I think a lot of the, a lot of the, um, the documentary series was about presenting this as a sort of much more coherent project than perhaps it was. So um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I still reserve judgment on that. Well, it's beautifully polished. So when, <laughs> when you, when you get there, trust me, I, you know, there are people who are not Leeds fans going, Phew, I might go and watch a match now. Um, now coming up in a couple of minutes, an interview you've done with uh, Phil, Hay from the Athletic for Football today. What are we going to hear in that? 
Yeah, so talk to Phil about uh, about uh, the impact that the, the next three months are going to have on both Leeds United, but also Marcelo Bielsa's career as well. So we talked a little bit about the the slump that's just happened. We talked a little bit about the idea of uh, the Bielsa burnout that often gets bandied around uh, when people talk about um, about Marcelo Bielsa. Why is it that this slump happened midway through the season? Isn't it supposed to happen at the end of the season? Um, whether or not he thinks that that's going to happen yet, whether there is going to be some kind of burnout at the end of the season. Uh, but we also talked about yeah the, the the legacy the 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 role that Leeds can play in Marcelo Bielsa's legacies. It um, by the end of the season he will have managed more games for Leeds United than any other club ex- except for Athletic, mm. um, and he'll only be thirteen games off that as well so this is like Leeds are well on the way to becoming his the club that he's been at the longest which is quite an in, in, incredible um, stat really and uh, and so I, I find that whole fac- facet of him as well why is he settled at Leeds at a club that you might not expect someone like that or someone with that legacy to go to well we'll hear more from that from John McKenzie in a couple of minutes time you're listening to the Leeds Fan Show on Love Sport the station giving fans a voice and we've got your team covered now with Churchill Business Insurance take the stress out of managing your van insurance with Churchill and their comprehensive policies offer you peace of mind, 24-hour accident recovery, £500 cover for loss or damaged audio equipment, plus, wait for this, wait for this, guaranteed repairs for five years. No, it's true. Visit the fan page at churchill.com. Churchill is underwritten by UK Insurance Limited and Churchill Van is arranged and administered by Brightside Insurance Services Limited. Find out about the slump, the three months, the Bielsa burnout and more as the Leeds fan show continues straight after this love sports 19 minutes past 8 Andy Hodgson in for Matt Beadle on the fan shows tonight Cardiff fan show at 9 9.30 it's a Brighton fan show at 10 o'clock tonight it's the Sheffield Wednesday fan show and Huddersfield at 10.30 that is your lineup tonight but it's the Leeds fan show the Mighty Whites Leeds 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 all the way through until 9 o'clock John McKenzie's here from All Stats aren't we and we're just about to hear uh, an interview with Phil Hay from The Athletic John what's going to be in it? Yeah, it's just looking at the impact that the next three months is going to have on Leeds United, um, but not simply Leeds United, on Marcelo Bielsa's career as well. So we talked about all of those things uh, in, in that interview for football today. All right, and we'll build up to Huddersfield after that. Let's hear from Phil Hay from The Athletic. From where we're sitting, there's 10 games left in the Championship this season. I don't think we need to talk about how, you've already mentioned it, how impactful it's going to be on Leeds United's history. But I'm interested in your thoughts on how important this next two months is on Marcelo Bielsa's legacy. How do you think that he will be remembered on the basis of the next two months? It's been so long outside of the Premier League and there have been so many managers who've, who've had a go and and ultimately I, I don't think there'd be a more romantic story than somebody like Bielsa doing it and you almost feel that if somebody is going to do it and, and if if this is the point at, at which the, the kind of ceiling finally breaks it'll be better for the fact that it that it's him that it's somebody as kind of iconic and, and as influential in a coaching sense as, as Bielsa rather than to be quite honest, the feeling that they've spent their way out of it or they've just you know, amassed a really expensive squad who couldn't fail and, and would have got up under any coach, you genuinely feel that this would be Bielsa's triumph and, and his achievement because it has in, in a huge, you know, no small part at all been down to him. You're in the unique position of dealing with him on a regular basis. Obviously, there's a lot of narratives that are spun about Marcelo Bielsa as, a, as a, an individual. I wondered how your experiences of having to cover him on a regular basis have squared up to those narratives that you hear from people who aren't perhaps following Leeds United as closely as uh, as you are. The crazy element of him, I've never seen, really. I think the El Loco nickname was, more than anything, down to the way he played football, the way he got his teams to play. The kind of, Not reckless, but the, the sort of strange formations, the 3-3-1-3, the, the systems that people hadn't seen before, and the kind of total commitment to possession and attacking. There are elements of him, if you look back, that look crazy in a personality sense, and he's had flashpoints and he's had run-ins with clubs and, and everything else. But, but actually, he would seem to me, in, in his own kind of unique and, and sometimes strange way to be the most considered coach I've dealt with and also the coach with the most clarity about what he wants to do and and, and how he sees his team setting up and, and games to be played. He is a coach that doesn't suffer stupid questions. He is a coach that will give you some fascinating insight into things that you never really expected to speak about. And also, I, I like the fact that he is a coach who will speak about tactics, who, who actually likes to get into the analysis of, of the tactical side of football. You see a lot of managers who, who talk about 
not liking the, the sort of tittle-tattle questions that come with, with football, particularly in the Premier League. But actually, when you try to nail them down to why did you play this player or why did you use this system, the number of managers who say systems are irrelevant, well, they're not irrelevant to Bielsa at all. You know, systems are, are fundamental to, to what he does and he will talk at great length about why he does things to try and help you and, you know, by extension, the supporters understand the point of, of his approach and, and his system. And, and I've really enjoyed that about him. And, and he can be difficult and he, he can be tetchy and, and there are points at which you, you feel like he's going to jump across the table and, and punch you. Um, but again, I, I like that and I, I like the, the kind of spirit in him and, and you know that it matters to him, you know that it's important and above all else, he, he's able to do it without, certainly in public, letting his ego get in the way. He doesn't make it about him, he doesn't try to, to make it about him. I, I find it hard to believe that he is able to, in his head, is able to separate his own involvement from the, the actual results. I mean, I've said before that at the end of the season, I can imagine him crediting the players and, and trying to take very little credit himself, when in actual fact, a huge amount of it will be due to him. And he must understand the difference he makes and the influence he has. But it's all about the football for him. He, I think the things he enjoys most are sticking to one approach and, and the challenge of making it work, but also seeing the development of players in young players in particular but I think the progress of Cleek and the progress of Cooper guys like that it will give him immense satisfaction because that ultimately is what coaching is about you know it is it is pure coaching and, and I can safely say that we'll never we'll never deal with anybody like him again at Leeds Yeah it's interesting that you mentioned the El Loco nickname because it's it's a nickname that he throughout his career has, has always been a little bit tetchy about I've heard a lot of press match interviews with him where he's he's refused to even say the nickname he'll say you know you have this nickname for me and he'll he'll sort of talk about it in a roundabout way I wondered from what you know about him why he might be so keen to distance himself from from being talked about in the semantics of madness in particular because that seems to be the thing that he is pushing back against he doesn't like people considering his his ideas to be crazy because I think he he believes in them and thinks they're good ideas yeah, he, he doesn't think that they're crazy. And I think he wants people to, to realise that, from his point of view, it is all done with, with rational thought. I mean, it's not unfair to say that, that it is all obsessional as well. And he goes to, you know, he goes to the nth degree in, in the way that a lot of managers don't. But again, I, I think he resents the idea that in some way he, he's trying to attract attention by what he does. I, I think he resents the idea that his craziness or the craziness that people perceive in him is attention-seeking or is done for the benefit of the cameras or done for the benefit of the media or, or more to the point is done for the benefit of his profile and, and creating this caricature of, of somebody who is a bit off, off the wall and, and is, a, is a bit mental, to, to be frank. And it really isn't the case with him. I think more often than not, when he's come to blows with, with certain clubs, and, and I'd, I'd exclude Leo from this because that seemed to go wrong very quickly and I think there were clearly clearly issues there. But when it's gone wrong with clubs, it's because of standards or expectations. You know, at Lazio, they, they weren't delivering on transfers, so he, so he left after two days. At Marseille, they, they couldn't agree on the terms of a contract, so again, he, he went. And at Bilbao, there'd been arguments about the training ground, there'd been issues there. I think it's fair to say that that was coming to the end of its lifespan anyway, I and mean, it did feel as if it had all gone gone a little bit sour. But, you know, somebody I know who, who knows him well had, had said to me, these situations don't develop because... Bielsa is unduly difficult. I mean, he is difficult and he is demanding, but it's not because he's being unreasonable. It's happening because the clubs know what he expects, they know what he's going to demand, they know what he's like, and ultimately, if they don't operate in a way that he's happy with, he will up sticks and leave. How much of this do you think comes down to personality? Because he's someone who you cannot experience for any amount of time without realising that he's not neurotypical. He clearly engages in the world in a way that's different to other people. How do you think that that's impacted the way that he's gone through management, how he's dealt with with people as well? I always imagine that it must be a challenge for him being as kind of socially awkward as as he is in a sport where people expect footballers and and managers to be very outgoing, to be very charismatic and and to to give them lines, to give them stories to write about. He, He does that, but he does it in an almost unintentional way. So... When you're getting stories from him about why he and Hernan Crespo fell out, he's, he's not he's not trying to fill your pages for you, and he's not trying to write headlines. He's just saying what is in his head, and he's he's trying to articulate other things. I mean, it, but the example with Crespo was that, that he he felt with Crespo that he at one point in his career he'd had to lie to him about how good he was in order to get a better performance out of him, and so the the kind of train of thought went that if you say things to players that 
aren't true, ultimately it's going to catch up with you and, and you're going to get found out because somewhere down the line they'll they'll see that you contradict yourself and ultimately their, their respect for you drops. His way of management is totally unique and, and his style of dealing with the press is, is totally unique and you're never going to get from Bielsa any show for the camera, any display of emotion that, that's made for the camera and actually, you know, I always think back to Newell's old boys where they, they won the, the first title and, and there are the famous pictures of him on somebody's shoulders swinging the shirt around his head and the helicopter in the back Background. And it was different when he won the title at Villa Sarsfield, and it will, I'm sure, be different if Leeds get promoted. I don't see him making a great play to the crowd. I think it will be on the insistence of others if he does actually come out and acknowledge the crowd in, in any big way. And I think he will try to fade into the background and, and to make as little of it as possible, and in effect to try and leave it to others, because it, he doesn't seem to enjoy being the centre of attention. And I think it, in, in the main, it's always been that way for him. And it's probably more and more the case as he gets older. Which possibility do you think is more fitting for Bielsa's career? Is it the the final triumph of promotion that sort of caps off a career that's been constantly seen through the lens of failure? Or is it the failure of another missed success that's dogged him throughout his footballing life? If there's any romance in the game, you would have to think that it would be the former. And it would be that this coach who Leeds have thrown millions of pounds at and have kind of sought out in the, the wilds of Argentina, you know, what looked like a totally, totally unrealistic appointment when they first started talking about it, and, but ultimately came to pass. Him winning promotion here, I think, would be a, a very fitting end. And I've often wondered whether or not there's there's another job for him in football anywhere. I'm, only he can say, and, and it might well be that he's someone who can't leave the game alone. But, you know, he is into his mid-60s now. And, and I wonder what else would be out there for him if, if he wasn't at Leeds. I don't see him ever taking charge of another English club. And, you know, there's constant interest in him from Spain and, and elsewhere. But it would it would surely have to be something that, that really appealed to him and, and something that kind of had the same sort of passion for him as Newell's or, or as, as Leeds United. You're right, I mean, if it was to end in failure, it, it would extend the, the kind of narrative as, as there has been around him all the way through, and he knows that himself. But as I say, if, if football is romantic and if there is any romance left in it, then it would be a bit of a travesty if he wasn't able to go out of here saying that he was the one after 15 years who, who finally broke this jinx. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Half past eight, it's the Leeds fan show. Phil Hay from The Athletic there talking uh, to John McKenzie, who's here now. And the music at the end of that, John, uh, makes me feel like I want to do some sort of hot yoga. Was that the idea? Or <laughs> that's well, the the, uh, the football today podcasts they are quite highly produced and they have music in there as well. So a lot of people were saying that they felt a lot more relaxed about promotion yeah. off the back of listening to that to that. Uh, podcast. I can't be bothered to do the rest of the night. To be honest. <laughs> Get Matt back in here. I'm not bothered now by the rest of this. Now listen, there's a, a big game coming up tomorrow. Great local rivalry as well. It's Huddersfield, where frankly it always rains. My dad lives there, and he says it doesn't, but he, he's a liar. Uh, the beauty of going there is you can see the Emily Moore transmitter, which I imagine as a Leeds fan you're looking forward to. Uh, it is, according to my dad, the biggest freestanding uh, monument in Europe. I don't know whether that's true or not. Is that true? You? I don't know whether that's true. My dad free, says a lot of things. That also, that's a great word to throw in because it just makes it sound a lot more 
like plausible, doesn't it? It does, say, doesn't it? If you say something like that, people are going to be like, well, they must have done some sort of research. That must be true. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. My dad says stuff with confidence and people tend to believe him. He also says... I'm going all... to fact check your dad. Will right? you fact yeah, check yeah, that and be. I can tell him if he's wrong. Uh, he also says all Mercedes Benz are diesel. Now, that isn't true. That's <laughs> nonsense. When he said that, I went, oh, right. What? <laughs> don't talk rubbish, Dad. And he's an Everton fan, so, you know, don't believe a word he says. Anyway, Huddersfield, the opposition, three o'clock tomorrow. We will get into that with Huddersfield. Huddersfield Town journalist for the Examiner Live, Stephen Chicken, and I'll be asking him the first question in a couple of minutes' time. Is that your real name or is it a stage name? Love sports. 19 minutes past eight. Andy Hodgson in for Matt Beadle on the fan shows tonight. Cardiff fan show at nine. 9.30 It's a Brighton fan show. At 10 o'clock tonight, it's the Sheffield Wednesday fan show and Huddersfield at 10.30. That is your lineup tonight. But it's the Leeds fan show, the Mighty Whites. Leeds, 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 all the way through until nine o'clock. John McKenzie's here from All Stats, aren't we? And we're just about to hear uh, an interview with Phil Hay from The Athletic. John, what's going to be in it? Yeah, it's just looking at the impact that the next three months is going to have on Leeds United, um, but not simply Leeds United, on Marcelo Bielsa's career as well. So we talked about all of those things uh, in, in that interview for football today. All right, and we'll build up to Huddersfield after that. Let's hear from Phil Hay from The Athletic. From where we're sitting, there's 10 games left in the Championship this season. I don't think we need to talk about how, you've already mentioned it, how impactful it's going to be on Leeds United's history. But I'm interested in your thoughts on how important this next two months is on Marcelo Bielsa's legacy. How do you think that he will be remembered on the basis of the next two months? It's been so long outside of the Premier League and there have been so many managers who've, who've had a go and and ultimately I, I don't think there'd be a more romantic story than somebody like Bielsa doing it and you almost feel that if somebody is going to do it and, and if if this is the point at, at which the, the kind of ceiling finally breaks it'll be better for the fact that it that it's him that it's somebody as kind of iconic and, and as influential in a coaching sense as, as Bielsa rather than to be quite honest, the feeling that they've spent their way out of it or they've just, you know, amassed a really expensive squad who couldn't fail and, and would have got up under any coach. You genuinely feel that this would be Bielsa's triumph and, and his achievement because it has in, in a huge, you know, no small part at all been down to him. You're in the unique position of dealing with him on a regular basis. Obviously, there's a lot of narratives that are spun about Marcelo Bielsa as, a, as a, an individual. I wondered how your experiences of having to cover him on a regular basis have squared up to those narratives that you hear from people who aren't perhaps following Leeds United as closely as, uh, as you are. The crazy element of him, I've never seen, really. I think the El Loco nickname was, more than anything, down to the way he played football, the way he got his teams to play. The kind of, not reckless, but the, the sort of strange formations, the three three one three, the the systems that people hadn't seen before, and the kind of total commitment to possession and attacking. There are elements of him, if you look back, that look crazy in a personality sense, and he's had flashpoints and he's had run-ins with clubs and, and everything else. But, but actually, he would seem to me, in, in his own kind of unique and, and sometimes strange way to be the most considered coach I've dealt with and also the coach with the most clarity about what he wants to do and and, and how he sees his team setting up and, and games to be played. He is a coach that doesn't suffer stupid questions. He is a coach that will give you some fascinating insight into things that you never really expected to speak about. And also, I, I like the fact that he is a coach who will speak about tactics, who, who actually likes to get into the analysis of, of the tactical side of football. You see a lot of managers who, who talk about not liking the, the sort of tittle-tattle questions that come with, with football, particularly in the Premier League. But actually, when you try to nail them down to why did you play this player or why did you use this system, the number of managers who say systems are irrelevant, well, they're not irrelevant to Bielsa at all. You know, systems are, are fundamental to, to what he does and he will talk at great length about why he does things to try and help you and, you know, by extension, the supporters understand the point of, of his approach and and his system. And, and I've really enjoyed that about him. And, and he can be difficult and he, he can be touchy and, and there are points at which you, you feel like he's going to jump across the table and, and punch you. Um, but again, I, I like that and I, I like the, the kind of spirit in him and, and you know that it matters to him, you know that it's important and above all else, he, he's able to do it without, certainly in public, letting his ego get in the way. He doesn't make it about him, he doesn't try to, to make it about him. I, I find it hard to believe that he 
is able to, in his head, is able to separate his own involvement from the, the actual results. I mean, I've said before that at the end of the season, I can imagine him crediting the players and, and trying to take very little credit himself, when in actual fact, a huge amount of it will be due to him. And he must understand the difference he makes and the influence he has. But it's all about the football for him. He, I think the things he enjoys most are sticking to one approach and, and the challenge of making it work, but also seeing the development of players in young players in particular but I think the progress of Cleek and the progress of Cooper guys like that it will give him immense satisfaction because that ultimately is what coaching is about you know it is it is pure coaching and, and I can safely say that we'll never we'll never deal with anybody like him again at Leeds yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned the El Loco nickname because it's it's a nickname that he, throughout his career, has, has always been a little bit tetchy about. I've heard a lot of press match interviews with him where he's he's refused to even say the nickname. He will say, you know, you have this nickname for me, and he'll he'll sort of talk about it in a roundabout way. I wondered, from what you know about him, why he might be so keen to distance himself from from being talked about in the semantics of madness in particular, because that seems to be the thing that he is pushing back against. He doesn't like people considering his his ideas to be crazy because I think he he believes in them and thinks yeah. they're good ideas. Yeah, he, he doesn't think that they're crazy. And I think he wants people to, to realise that from his point of view, it is all done with, with rational thought. I mean, it's not unfair to say that, that it is all obsessional as well. And he goes to, you know, he goes to the nth degree in, in the way that a lot of managers don't. But again, I, I think he resents the idea that in some way he, he's trying to attract attention by what he does. I, I think he resents the idea that his craziness or the craziness that people perceive in him is attention-seeking or is done for the benefit of the cameras or done for the benefit of the media or, or more to the point is done for the benefit of his profile and, and creating this caricature of, of somebody who is a bit off, off the wall and, and is, a, is a bit mental, to, to be frank. And it really isn't the case with him. I think more often than not, when he's come to blows with, with certain clubs, and, and I'd, I'd exclude Leo from this because that seemed to go wrong very quickly and I think there were clearly clearly issues there. But when it's gone wrong with clubs, it's because of standards or expectations. You know, at Lazio, they, they weren't delivering on transfers, so he, so he left after two days. At Marseille, they, they couldn't agree on the terms of a contract, so again, he, he went. And at Bilbao, there'd been arguments about the training ground, there'd, there'd been issues there. I think it's fair to say that that was coming to the end of its lifespan anyway, and it did feel as if it had all gone gone a little bit sour. But, you know, somebody I know who, who knows him well had, had said to me, these situations don't develop because... Bielsa is unduly difficult. I mean, he is difficult and he is demanding, but it's not because he's being unreasonable. It's happening because the clubs know what he expects, they know what he's going to demand, they know what he's like, and ultimately, if they don't operate in a way that he's happy with, he will up sticks and leave. How much of this do you think comes down to personality? Because he's someone who you cannot experience for any amount of time without realising that he's not neurotypical. He clearly engages in the world in a way that's different to other people. How do you think that that's impacted the way that he's gone through management, how he's dealt with, with people as well? I always imagine that it must be a challenge for him being as kind of socially awkward as, as he is in a sport where people expect footballers and, and managers to be very outgoing, to be very charismatic and, and to, to give them lines, to give them stories to write about. He, he does that, but he does it in an almost unintentional way. So when you're getting stories from him about why he and Hernan Crespo fell out, he, he's not he's not trying to fill your pages for you and he's not trying to write headlines. He's just saying what is in his head and he's he's trying to articulate other things. I mean, it, but the example with Crespo was that, that he, he felt with Crespo that he at one point in his career he'd had to lie to him about how good he was in order to get a better performance out of him. And so the, the kind of train of thought went that if you say things to players that aren't true, ultimately it's going to catch up with you and, and you're going to get found out because somewhere down the line they'll they'll see that you contradict yourself and ultimately their, their respect for you drops. His way of management is totally unique and, and his style of dealing with the press is, is totally unique and you're never going to get from Bielsa any show for the camera, any display of emotion that, that's made for the camera and actually, you know, I always think back to Newell's old boys where they, they won the, the first title and, and there are the famous pictures of him on somebody's shoulders swinging the shirt around his head and the helicopter in the back Background. And it was different when he won the title at Villa Sarsfield, and it will, I'm sure, be different if Leeds get promoted. I don't see him making a great play to the crowd. I think it will be on the insistence of others if he does actually come out and acknowledge the crowd in, in any big way. And I think he will try to fade into the background and, and to make as little of it as possible, and in effect to try and leave it to others, because it, he doesn't seem to enjoy being the centre of attention. And I think it, in, in the main, it's always been that way for him. And it's probably more and more the case as he gets older.
Which possibility do you think is more fitting for Bielsa's career? Is it the the final triumph of promotion that sort of caps off a career that's been constantly seen through the lens of failure? Or is it the failure of another missed success that's dogged him throughout his footballing life? If there's any romance in the game, you would have to think that it would be the former. And it would be that this coach who Leeds have thrown millions of pounds at and have kind of sought out in the, the wilds of Argentina, you know, what looked like a totally, totally unrealistic appointment when they first started talking about it, and, but ultimately came to pass. Him winning promotion here, I think, would be a, a very fitting end. And I've often wondered whether or not there's there's another job for him in football anywhere. I'm, only he can say, and, and it might well be that he's someone who can't leave the game alone. But, you know, he is into his mid-60s now. And, and I wonder what else would be out there for him if, if he wasn't at Leeds. I don't see him ever taking charge of another English club. And, you know, there's constant interest in him from Spain and, and elsewhere. But it would it would surely have to be something that, that really appealed to him and, and something that kind of had the same sort of passion for him as Newell's or, or as, as Leeds United. You're right. I mean, if it was to end in failure, it, it would extend the, the kind of narrative as, as there has been around him all the way through. And he knows that himself. But as I say, if, if football is romantic and if there is any romance left in it, then it would be a bit of a travesty if he wasn't able to go out of here saying that he was the one after 15 years who, who finally broke this jinx. Past eight. It's the Leeds fan show. Phil Hay from The Athletic there talking uh, to John McKenzie, who's here now. And the music at the end of that, John, uh, makes me feel like I want to do some sort of hot yoga. Was that the idea? Or <laughs> that's Well, the, the, yeah, the Football Today podcasts they are quite highly produced and they have music in there as well. So a lot of people were saying that they felt a lot more relaxed about promotion yeah. off the back of listening to that, to that podcast. I can't be bothered to do the rest of the night. To be honest. <laughs> Get Matt back in here. I'm not bothered now by the rest of this. Now, listen, there's a, a big game coming up tomorrow. Great local rivalry as well. It's Huddersfield, where, frankly, it always rains. My dad lives there and he says it doesn't, but he, he's a liar. Uh, the beauty of going there is you can see the Emily Moore transmitter, which I imagine as a Leeds fan you're looking forward to. Uh, it is, according to my dad, the biggest freestanding uh, monument in Europe. I don't know whether that's true or not. Is that true? I don't know whether that's true. My dad says a lot of things. That's a great word to throw in because it just makes it sound a lot more like plausible, doesn't it? It if does, say, doesn't it? If you say something like that, people are going to be like, well, they must have done some sort of research, but that must be <laughs> exactly. true. Exactly, yeah. My dad says stuff with confidence and people tend to believe him. He also says... I'm going all... to fact check your dad. Will right? you fact yeah, check yeah, that and be. I can tell him if he's wrong? Uh, he also says all Mercedes-Benz are diesel. Now, that isn't true. That's <laughs> nonsense. When he said that, I went, oh, right, what? <laughs> don't talk rubbish, Dad. And he's an Everton fan, so, you know, don't believe a word he says. Anyway, Huddersfield, the opposition, three o'clock tomorrow. We will get into that with Hudders- Huddersfield Town, journalist for the Examine Alive, Stephen Chicken, and I'll be asking him the first question in a couple of minutes' time. Is that your real name or is it a stage name? Love sport. 13 minutes to nine every Friday night, the Leeds fans show. Matt Beadle is normally here to host it, but he couldn't be bothered tonight. He said, I can't be bothered, it's Friday night, get lost. And then he rang me, uh, which is a weird way to uh, ask me to come and do the show, but here I am. Uh, it's Andy Hodgson, normally here on a Sunday between 12 and 4, and I will be here this weekend building up to Chelsea Everton and the Manchester Derby. And Ian Wright will be on the show as well. That's this Sunday between 12 and 4. But right now it is the Leeds 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 show uh, with John McKenzie from All Stats aren't we and it's almost time for the listeners questions and you can get in on this if you're a Leeds fan or even if you're not frankly uh, it's 0208 70 20 558 send us a message on that number or call us uh, and you can have your say or ask your questions like are we really going to get promoted you know questions like that 0208 70 20 558 is that number uh, John McKenzie, all stats, aren't we? It says it all. We need some opening stats for this <laughs> section. Have you got any? I've got some stats about tall buildings. Oh, if you want you? To, yeah. well, because I found of the Emily Moore transmitter we were talking about I before. I found the tallest one in Europe, so you can maybe let your dad know that it's in Moscow. It's called the Ostan Kino Tower. 540 metres, 1,772 feet, so a good good 700 feet taller than than Emily Moore so that's a big old unit yeah that's it's yeah big it was the tallest freestanding structure in the world from uh, 1967 to steps 75. or lift steps or lift i suspect a, a, a lift 
I don't know. Yeah, you'd have to be. You'd be nuts to climb up that, wouldn't you? You're sending me down an even bigger rabbit hole here. You need to stop asking questions. Don't or... go down rabbit holes. Go up them <laughs> because it's a tall freestanding structure. Anyway, uh, so you gave me a stat at the start of the show, which was uh, the, fi- the fifth consecutive clean sheet for Leeds, uh, which is amazing. Can they keep that going to the end of the season? Let's get into the questions um, and uh, let's hear from Daz Lee, who said the Fulham game is being hyped up as a decider. Reminds me of the Blades game last season around. This worries me. Discuss. Well, don't be worried, Daz. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's not the end of the world. I went to see Fulham at the weekend against Preston. I thought they were decidedly average. Mm, really. Yeah. So it's not... It's funny that a couple of a couple of the questions here have got discuss at the end of them, like we're doing GCSEs or something. <laughs> isn't it? Um, let's discuss it. Uh, I think, yeah, obviously it's not going to come down to one game. Um, we've still got Huddersfield and Cardiff before we play Fulham. They've got uh, a couple of potentially tricky games as well. They've got Bristol City and uh, another. I can't remember. Is it? I can't remember who it is. But they've got another tough tough game. Um, so I think by the time it gets to it gets to that game anyway, we could even have a bigger buffer by then. Um, but even after that, Leeds have got a much nicer run than than Fulham, and there's a reason why so many models have us uh, looking nailed on for promotion. Because um, yeah, unless the unthinkable happens and they, Leeds collapse like they did last season, then um, I, I don't foresee anything going particularly wrong. But uh, it happened last season, so I guess that that's the the two percent chance of us actually only finishing in the playoff spots. So yeah, that's most models have us at about yeah around that two percent to finish in the in the playoff spots. It's possible, but um, very unlikely. If we do, I think there's a thirty percent chance that Leeds will go up from from there. So even even if you do fall into the playoffs, you've still got a, a much better chance than anyone else in the playoff spots. So. It's one of those things where, yeah, the worst case scenario can can always happen, but um, you should you should be pretty convinced that it, it won't. <laughs> so stats wise, you're saying I couldn't give a monkey's about Fulham in third place, aren't you? Yeah, I'm 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 saying that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And and these models, these models, shoot your face, Fulham. Oh, that's what yeah. you're saying, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. I, I want to be clear as well. Like these models that that these mathematicians have done up are based on they 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 take all the stats from the season so far. They look at who's um, going to produce goals, who's going to concede goals, and they run ten thousand simulations of these, and then they base the prob- probabilities on that. So what they're saying is like in ten thousand simulations of the last ten games of the season, Leeds finished in the top two ninety eight percent of the time. So yeah, I mean. Yeah, there's a chance it might not happen, but it's very low. John, what you're saying is we don't need statisticians. They're idiots. (laughs) Fulham, nonsense. Shut your face. So, Daz Lee, (laughs) stop getting stressed. It is not a decider. Daz Lee, calm down, son. You need to play a bit more of your yoga music we had on earlier. That would calm Daz down. Let's get on to the next one. If we get promoted, what two positions do you think we need to upgrade and why? That comes from the young Peacock, who I believe is not an actual Peacock. No, I don't think but so. But a person. Yeah, yeah, I think peacocks do tend to struggle to send in questions <laughs> to radio shows as a general rule. It's the feathers, that's the yeah, problem. exactly. Yeah. Anyway, what two positions do you think we need to upgrade? It's a good question. I think most Leeds fans are going to be saying striker because I think uh, they're, they're not convinced by Pat Bamford. Uh, what, um, Bamford? You're, are you a Bamford out? I'm Bamford in. Personally. You're Bamford in? Yeah, so... Well, that surprises well, me even more. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I'm Bamford. Bamford, I'm, I'm sort of Bamford... I don't even know what I am. Like neutral, Bamford neutral, Bamf- Bamford, Bamford non-curious. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, I d- I'm not sure if that he. I don't know. I don't know if striker is the most pressing uh, position we need. It the will most be pres- in the Premier League, man. Do you think? Yeah. Well, we've got Je- John Kevin August down as well. We're, let's hope that he has a good summer and he comes in looking like a the elite player that he was five years ago. That's that's the way I'm going with it. Um, Adam Forshaw, um, his position, we've we've missed him so much uh, last season, uh, this season, sorry, and I think we need to have at least a backup for him. If not, um, I, I don't know what he's he's had knee surgery, so that's important. Um, other than that, okay, yeah, okay, maybe we do need a striker. You've, you've persuaded <laughs> you've me. You've come fully around the mountain. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just kind of we, we we may lose Ben White, so we will need another centre back as well. So those I'll I'll say three. So the, a central midfielder, p- particularly um, a centre back, and then some some kind of replacement for Bamford. You all right on the keepers front? Well, <laughs> dodgy ground. That's not really? to talk. Ground, that's not to talk about that. But yeah. we've got we 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 are playing Meslier as though he's going to be at, at some point a starting keeper. We brought in a um, a backup keeper over the break. Um, 
anticipating Kiko Casillas' uh, ban. Uh, and I, sus- I suppose they may bring in someone else in, but if, if Meslier has a good run, you never know. They might just keep him straight in uh, uh, for the next season. At one point, of course, um, it was looking like Tom Heaton was going to go there and he ended up at Aston Villa. Uh, but uh, that would have been a, a good one for the Premier League because mm. he'd got that experience. But that, anyway, uh, There's always someone like that knocking around, isn't there? So I suppose if Top-class if, England goalkeeper, you mean? Yeah. yeah. You mean Nick, Nick Pope, isn't it? I think Joe Hart's available if, you, if you're interested. <laughs> I don't know whether... I'd rather go without a goalkeeper. To oh, be okay. Uh, Barney Stewart says, and uh, if you want to join in, you've got a couple of minutes. Oh two oh eight seventy twenty five five eight. Be quick. We're very busy. Uh, <laughs> Barney Stewart, uh, not Barney Rubble. That was another fellow from the F- Flintstones. Says uh, Pablo makes his one hundred and fifty appearance for the club tomorrow. How much do you rate him, and would you class him a club legend? Um, I rate him a lot. I rate him very highly. I always have done. I think he's. Um, He's been one of the bright sparks in a in a period that hasn't had many bright sparks. Um, I think he's a club legend. Yeah, I, 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 I think he should be up there in the pantheon. Um, I, it's a shame that we we haven't been able to see him at his peak in in the top flight of English football. But hopefully next season we'll get to get to see him having a, a homecoming to the Premier League. A club legend like like Chapman, like Robbie Blake, like I mean, the, list, <laughs> the list goes on, mate. Doesn't it? The list goes on. Um, d- here's another one. Brolin ate the pie. Is that, is that Thomas? Is it? Um, I think so. Yeah. Is, he goes that by that reference. name now. That's oh, yeah. May- maybe it's his. Yeah. Maybe it's his. Uh, <laughs> What do you call it? Handle on Twitter. Exactly, yeah. Anyway, he says, does the role Bamford plays reduce his opportunity to score? By that, I mean, is the requirement degrading his ability? Is he compromised mentally, perhaps? (laughs) Discuss. What is that? Is he compromised? There's a lot in there, isn't there? Yeah. I think the the question is saying, is is the role that Bamford is playing um, actually pushing him to do things that aren't scoring yeah and so as a result of that he's not getting as many chances uh no because <laughs> he's getting plenty of chances and, and missing them um i i think he probably is compromised mentally or whatever the wording was um but i think that's because i don't know it's difficult because because there's a, there's a sense in which bielsa playing players even when they are underperforming like bamford is 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 quite i think um, freeing for players because they don't feel as though they are being based on the quality of their performances as much. But at the same time, I think with with Bamford, it's got to a funny thing now where it's just it's it, it he it, it's just a monkey on his back now, and it's 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 almost impossible for him to shake. But fortunately, we've we've been having other players scoring, and so we've we've been okay. But I'm I'm sure the the the, the same old criticisms will come out if if Leeds fail to score yeah. uh, the weekend and, and Bamford misses another sitter. So. Well, I wish we could answer this final question, which is basically compare the keepers uh, unsure mm. man number four uh, no because we haven't got time uh, but uh, <laughs> I'm sure you can do that on Twitter afterwards uh, John b- uh, the big question for, for me is it's Huddersfield tomorrow what's the what's the plan what's the score you got 30 seconds what yeah, do you reckon I'm, I'm not sure Like as I said to Stephen Huddersfield was a game that we really struggled against uh, we, we did end up winning 2-0 last time but I think we were very unconvincing in there I actually think it's going to be interesting to see if the Cowleys do do uh, what I said and come out and play a bit more expansively because that could change things but I, uh, I I expect the Leeds will win and I think it will be 1-0 1-0 to Leeds yeah again yeah yeah. Uh, that is the lead show it's back again next Friday there was John McKenzie from All Starts Aren't We and thank you to our other guests during the hour as well thank you for your questions too Leeds, Leeds, Leeds they're going up don't you worry my friend what about Cardiff City it's their fan show next then Brighton at 9.30 on Love Sport Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio for more go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts news and views or for more Follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 